what's up with you? And when I defang the viper, trust me, ain't gonna come from nowhere. Jeff, I already put you out. I don't even know why you're out here right now. Keep on talking. Hey, 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 do me a favor. Why don't you act like this is an AA meeting and you shut your mouth while I'm sharing with the group? And Mustafa, you out here, a boy among men. And I'm gonna tell you what. You got lucky at the Rumble, so I know you're gonna come out here and run your mouth about how bad you are. But let me give you a little bit of a reality check. You see, Mustafa, you said that my eyes don't lie. Well, your eyes don't lie either, because last week, they were closed real tight when I put your simple ass to sleep. And AJ, hey man, be honest with me. How's our old girl Wendy doing? Right and welcome back to the Clark Street Wrestling Podcast. It is me, Afis, and with me as always is Devin. And we are going to be breaking down Monday Night Raw and talking a little bit about, uh, pre- I guess, previewing tomorrow's Raw. We're recording this on a Sunday night, so um, you know tomorrow's Raw. So we're going to kind of be linking up. Yeah, a little bit of a late Raw. start. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit later than what we usually do, but it's okay. We're going to basically use this opportunity to kind of get people excited about uh, tomorrow's Raw, or just kind of. Say, say our honest opinions on where we think things are going and if we are excited or not about what's uh, what's to come uh, next for Raw. So, uh, Devin, what are some of your just general thoughts on the last Raw we saw? I thought Bray Wyatt stole the show. I just say it like that. You know, man, what I mean by that, he, he kept my interest from beginning of how he kind of set it up with Seth Rollins and towards the end, uh, I thought it, it worked. Wonders for him and hats off and I applaud Bray Wyatt too, you know, for making this character work for his, uh, his split, so to speak, his split personality, man. Yeah. He like, to your point, he really took over. I mean, it's, it's, um, it became basically the, the Firefly Funhouse, the, the show a little bit, you know, from the, the very beginning to the end. And so a little bit in the, in the middle too, there were little, bits and teases and things that he would that that were connected to him that was pretty cool um so we'll get into that a little bit more in detail a little bit later um i think where i want to kick things off honestly is going to be the, just the king of the ring tournament and the the final uh with of the king of the ring tournament between baron corbett and chad gable i would love to hear your thoughts on this well so we we made our picks early on as to what we thought was going to happen and we were both just way off because we both had drew mcintyre winning the whole thing <laughs> Um, and we had Kevin Owens going against him in the final, and Kevin yeah. Owens was eliminated in the first round. Both of them were. Um, as it was going on, we were talking about it week after week, and we started getting coming to the conclusion that Baron Corbin looked like he was standing out as maybe the guy they were going to go with. And, you know, I made the prediction that I could see a Corbin-Chad Gable uh, matchup, and, you know, you obviously were like, please, no, don't let that happen, because we definitely don't want to see – you know, it, that that matchup between those two guys, at least at that time. Um, and, you know, it didn't happen at Clash of Champions. Uh, surprisingly, it didn't happen at the pay-per-view. It happened mm-hmm. on the Raw, which I thought was was a, a bad move by them, honestly. But, um, you know, then they said, okay, Monday Night Raw, so cool. We did the match. Uh, the match itself on its own, if you take it out of the context of King of the Ring, I thought the match was actually pretty good. Um, I thought that Chad Gable, you know, played his part as the underdog, you know, like that that the crowd was – really getting behind and you know the, the heat that Corbin has the crowd yeah. really wanted <laughs> Gable to win and you know we're just like just hanging on every like uh, close fall you know whenever it seemed like Corbin was about to win it 
or when Gable was about to win it, you could really see that the crowd was into it. So I really enjoyed the matchup. Um, in the end, it was real interesting. I love the the touch with the the ankle lock. Um, if it, it felt like uh, kind of an homage to Kurt Angle in a couple of ways. Obviously, it's Kurt Angle's finisher, um, but also too the way that Kurt Angle retired. I mean, he was his last match was against Baron Corbin. Yep, so it was. It was kind of a a nice little like you know connective tissue with that storyline for Kurt Angle. And given that Chad Gable is also, I believe he's an Olympian as well. Um, there's a lot of similarities with him and Kurt. I'm sure he was inspired by Kurt and he used that finisher. It would have been amazing if he would have been able to to beat uh, Corbin uh, in with the move that you know someone who I'm assuming he idolizes um, uses. So that would have been a cool moment. And I think the crowd was feeling that too because they were they were really into it in that moment. You know, and he locks it in. He's like. You can see Corbin, he's like, you know, in pain and he's trying to drag yes. himself to the ropes. And it, it took a while. And you're like, man, is this going to happen? Um, but Corbin it was able to to get to the ropes. He broke the the the, the, uh, the yeah, submission. Man, making, making King Corbin looking strong at that moment, too. In that moment, for sure. Yeah, for sure. He he looked tough and strong, you know, fighting that off and, and being able to withstand the, the ankle lock from, from Gable. And uh, yeah, he, Gable then I guess was going for a for Hurricane Rana. It seemed like that's what the move looked like. But Baron Corbin in an awesome maneuver turned it into his finisher, and just you know it was it was devastating to watch. Uh, goes for the pinfall. <laughs> one, two, three. Uh, your new King of the Ring is Baron Corbin. So the match itself, like I said, I, I thought the match was was pretty good. Um, as far as King of the Ring goes, I think they did a disservice to the King of the Ring tournament and what it used to mean. Yes. Like, you know, for me, King of the Ring, you know, and you talked about this too, like the the pay-per-view King of the Ring was awesome back in the day because it was like, you know, you felt the prestige. You felt like there was something major was about to happen. Like somebody was going to get like that, that kudos, that, that moment to, to be, you know, that next big guy that was going to step up. You know, from Stone Cold to Bret Hart, some of the other guys that have won it. Um, you know, it really seemed like a, a true, like, hey, you know, we are anointing you uh, uh, the guy, right? Or or maybe the next big thing. Yep. Um, and in this situation, it kind of turned into not a complete joke, but kind of like not serious. I don't know. I just I just felt like it lost a lot of its 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 prestige in this. Did it seem like it didn't matter? It kind of did, especially the way it happened on Raw. It wasn't the main event on Raw. You know, mm-hmm. it was, it was uh, the Seth Rollins-Bobby Roode match, non-title. That was the main event instead of right. the, which that was another mistake, I thought. Like, if you're going to do it, you might as well have it be the main event, you know, to make it mean something. But it was like, right, I think it was the end of the first hour is when they ended up doing this match. Yeah. Um, you know, so it was just disappointing to see that they didn't really give it that that spotlight. And maybe they were just thinking, you know what, it's Corbin, it's Gable. We can't make it the main event because these two guys aren't really at that main event status. Although Corbin has been the main event before. So it's kind of odd that they would choose not to do that for a King of the Ring crowning and for a guy like Corbin that they've already kind of given that moment to before. But um, yeah, overall, I, I just felt like it, it was, it was a great matchup that on its own as a matchup, it actually really surprised me. And I was, I was really entertained by it. Yeah. But on its, you know, as a as a King of the Ring finale, it was just it it it, it left me disappointed. 
I couldn't agree more. So, like, the first part of the match, King of the Ring, between, I mean, not the first pet, uh, match, but just the ending match, you know, the last match in the King of the Ring tournament, I thought it was fine. I thought it was good. It was a good showing from both Gable and Baron Corbin. Uh, I love that end of days. That, yeah. he, he has one of the most devastating maneuvers, and I give Baron Corbin that. His yeah. finisher, the end of days, and the way he did it was pretty sick. Yeah, off uh, Baron Corbin, how, how the way he kind of countered it to uh, uh, Chad Gable, and I thought yeah. it was great. But the King of the Ring tournament as a whole, like, yeah, I, I, I mentioned it. I think the first week when we was talking about, it, I'm like, I, it was a disservice just the way they kind of just set it up. They just I, they talked about it that day of of Monday Night Raw and said, hey, we're gonna have a tournament to be King of the Ring. They didn't show any type of graphics or nothing like that. They didn't talk about it throughout the whole show. They're just going to say it's King of the Ring. It was a King of the Ring tournament that starts next week. Yep. And that was it. And then you didn't hear about it until the following week. And then they and then they uh, talked about it throughout the whole show, announced the matches, let you know the graphics, and showed the whole tournament bracket and everything. But, you know, the way they just handled it was completely – uh. A, a completely miss miss opportunity like he, even when baron corbin and chaggett had a, had a hell of a match but at the end of the day i felt empty like this is this probably not gonna lead to anything yeah you know and that's how i felt because just the way they just you know just just uh the way they prepared this the way to just you know get you know basically uh Showed the the WWE crowd how they how they think about King of the Ring tournament. It was just I was like, wow. So here we are, just King Corbin. I don't think it's gonna lead anything because, like you said, they they treated it like a joke, especially on the following the following day on Tuesday. That's like, yeah, that was just confirmation right there, man. Yeah, we'll get into that in the SmackDown breakdown, but you know, this this it it just like you said you felt empty like i felt a similar thing it was like you know okay it happened but that's it it doesn't mean anything you know and it sucks cuz corbin you know I, I i will give him credit you know he played his part really well in this tournament you know he played that heel character that had real heat that everybody was like oh no not him please don't let it be him and you know he he did things that you know usually you would say oh if he's doing this, that means he's probably not going to win, like sitting in the chair or touching, you know, putting the crown on his head early, you know, holding the scepter, all of that. He was real yeah. cocky. And so that usually will lead, you know, story-wise to, well, that guy's going to get his comeuppance and, you know, it's not going to happen for him. But in this situation, you know, he just kept doing that and he kept, you know, being like he was in the triple threat match, which I hated the the idea of that triple threat match. But he, again, him playing his part in it, you know, he was like, oh, so – the two of them uh, being Ricochet and Samoa Joe, they pinned each other. So that means I get a free, you know, spot in the finals, right? And they were like, no, actually, you're going to be in a triple threat. And he's like, what? And he's pissed. And, you know, mm-hmm. he's like getting all irate. And, you know, he's just – he did a good job of just, like, being that that character and just, like, being upset and, be, and feeling like he's being screwed over. And then, you know, he uh, stole the win from Ricochet, who would hit uh, his finisher on Samoa Joe. Then he pulls – Rick, Rick shit out of the ring and then gets the pin, you know, and then he's smug about it when he wins and he goes back to the throne. He sits on it again. Like, I felt like he was doing a really good job in this tournament overall. And had it been treated with a little bit more uh, uh, seriousness and care with this whole this whole thing, 
I, i.e., something like the Cruiserweight Classic was or the May Young Classics, yes, like you know, make it its own thing on the WWE network when in worst case scenario, right? Like, just do it like that. If, if nothing else, I think this could have really been something that Corbin could use as a, as a launching pad, you know, to, to maybe reboot himself, you know, as a heel, you know, get some new attire, you know, kind of get some new heat to him, um, and not go away heat, but like literally, like this guy, he's actually got. He's found his his thing. He's found his, his his shtick, you know. So now it's just, you know, let's let's see it materialize a little bit more, you know. And then I, I I'm gonna enjoy rooting against him versus just not wanting to see him anymore. You know, I feel like he he's starting to get to that point. Um, but yeah, the way they did King of the Ring, it's kind of like it, it's not. It this didn't really help. That it's just it's. I think Corbin still has a lot of work to do to yeah. make that happen. Yeah. You know, but I feel like he's kind of on his way. It's just it's unfortunate that King of the Ring really didn't like the 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 actual title of King of the Ring isn't gonna be it be what helps him get to that next level. No, because they, they didn't even make it feel prestige. It's it, it, it was somewhat like you said, man, uh comical towards the end. Uh and you know, it didn't feel like that Barry Corbin was on the precipice of something bigger, like oh he's 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 the next big thing, but no, it just felt like to me, it felt like after he won, I'm like, it probably is not going to go anywhere. Yeah, he probably wouldn't be. He probably he'd probably be one of those lackluster King of the Ring winners. They didn't use it for anything, any type of jump start in their career. Yep, yep, yeah. That's which you know, it's unfortunate. And again, we'll we'll break it down a little bit more when we get to the SmackDown wrap up. But just wanted to bring it up, and and I guess forward uh looking forward for raw now um without really talking about what happened on smackdown just what are your what are your thoughts on that you think just i don't know another matchup with with gable or you know like what what's your thought for for where they're going with this i i have no idea just the way they they treated this like they're 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 kind of making my point because i don't i don't know where you go with this like maybe Back to Chad Gable, but really, yeah. I, I, <laughs> so, like, I, I don't, I don't see how you can, like, what, what, what can naturally progress to the next story for Baron Corbin? I mean, it, it's so that to me, you know, you did King of the Ring, so you have to start the re, um, you know the soft reboot or whatever of Corbin in some form or fashion from King of the Ring. So, you know, maybe he keeps his music, but maybe it's something with the attire or something. Like, I feel like we, we need to feel like he has to start going by the moniker King Corbin. They have to use that. Um, and I, I must, I'm, that's something that I'm going to be looking for, I guess, tomorrow on raw is to see, see get a new like graphic. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like a new graphic, uh, mm-hmm. definitely like that uh, lower thirds uh, graphic. And then his his Tron, you know, change that up a little bit, you know, make him seem a little bit more regal. You know, maybe he drops the Baron and he's just King versus like, you know, having it say Baron Corbin. But then everyone's calling him King Corbin. It's actually having him go through the name change. And he's literally like King Corbin now. Um, you know, they got to use it you because. Well, this would have been, I mean, it already kind of feels like it's its a wasted opportunity, but it'll be even worse if like a month from now you're going, oh, like I, f- I almost forgot that King Corbin even won King of the Ring because <laughs> you're not seeing any signs of it in anything that he's doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I yeah, feel like that's a good it, point. 
that 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 might be where we we end up a month from now is literally looking at it and saying there is nothing different between what Corbin was doing before King of the Ring and right now, which, you know, that would suck. Yeah, man, I think that's a good point because I'm just scared of of what WWE can do with the storyline, because like you said before and earlier in an earlier podcast, they would just drop a storyline just just because Mm -hmm. like real quick and Mm -hmm. this. And this storyline has the potential to be dropped very quick. And and I think that's the reason why I feel like I don't see where this story can go. Because, you know, just the way you guys present it in a way that, you know, it, it wasn't important. That was a bit head scratcher for me. And then uh then you got Baron Corbin and Chad Gable. You got Baron Corbin winning, but just the way you guys, you know, ended with that. It, it made it feel comical. Yeah. Yeah, man. We'll see. I mean, tomorrow we'll see what they do. It'll be uh, the second uh, official live show that he would be King Corbin. So let's see where they where they take that evolution from there. But, but let's probably, right. I'm going to give it a month, though, and see where this goes. Exactly. That'll a be a month. And then if they drop it, they drop it. Yeah. All right, so um, yeah, basically uh, we're going to talk about the um, gender reveal that happened with uh, Maria Canellis and Mike Canellis' unborn child's uh, gender being revealed in this party situation with the Street Profits. Uh, Street Profits were hosting, and um, basically they were they were uh, uh, they brought out Maria Canellis, and she reveals that it's going to be a boy. And you have you know a bunch of people who. I think the best way to describe it is a lot of the B players in in the company right now, and then Ricochet were all back there. Yeah, um, and you know they're they're all celebrating. They're like, "Hey, you know, it's a boy. Cool, cool." And then um, Maria goes to Mike, who also was like really super excited, and super happy, <laughs> and she essentially is like, "Yeah, at least I know now who the father is." And she looks and she points to Ricochet, and she says, "Ricochet." And then everyone's like, damn, what? And, you know, Street Profits are back there like, oh, you know, like, yeah, and on everything. And, uh, you know, Mike Canellis goes straight up to Ricochet and Ricochet's look, it's not me. There's no way I wouldn't do it. Well, I would, you know, and it kind of said, (laughs) not that he wouldn't, you know, get with her, but, you know, he didn't get with her. So it was kind of a funny moment. And then uh, Mike Canellis slaps Ricochet and says, meet me in the ring. And so, you know, he wants to fight him out in the ring, which I actually kind of thought that was a little bit goofy because, you know, something like that happens. Uh, just play it as it's real. Um, what are the chances the fight doesn't break out right then and there? And I the know. What, what you know what Meet me in the ring because yeah. you got my wife pregnant. Meet me in the ring right now. Right. Like, <laughs> what? No, man. Like, I just there's no conversation even be had. Like, the just fight. I'll whoop your ass happened. right now on site. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so I thought that was that was comical the way you just meet me in the ring. I'm like, I see, yeah. this is exactly what Marie's talking about. Like, you just, you know, you, what is what is this? And it was just logically that didn't really make sense, but co- comedically, I guess it, it it works. So anyway, they you know they go up, he goes out to the ring. Mike Canellis does, and then Ricochet goes out there and he's still apologetic. And both of them are basically in street clothes, so it's, yep. it's not really a matchup necessarily. But there is a ref. Um, and so Ricochet is trying to apologize. Mike Canales is trying to fight him. Um, Ricochet at a certain point just gets fed up and just beats, beats up, uh, Mike Canales a little bit. It's, it's a finisher on him. Done. Uh, one, two, three, he gets a pinfall and then he apologizes. He's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And he leaves, he leaves the ring. 
So Maria Canales is on the stage and she's looking at Mike and she's shaking her head saying, you know, Ricochet isn't the father, but I thought it would motivate you to embarrass you. And then she says, well, actually, I, I do know who the father is. And it's this man. And Rusev's music hits. Um, so Rusev comes back and Rusev was looking lean and, you know, he lost a lot of weight. He's got a new thick mustache and, you know, he's looking good overall. So he walks down. And, you know, Mike Kanellis is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, like, I, I've had enough. I'm, I'm done with this, basically. Like, you know, if if you are the father, then I'm, I'm happy it's you. And kind of like is is just saying he's OK with the whole situation. He, he wants no part of Rusev, basically. Yeah, yep. So he's just trying to get out of there. Rusev is trying to chase him down. Rusev literally just crushes him, basically, just beats him down. Um, hits, uh, what is he? He put him in a submission, like that camel clutch submission, and just just wrenched it. I think what is, was the refs that had to pull him off? I think if I remember that correctly, yeah, yeah. Like he, got, he got pulled off by referees, and yeah, that was that was it. That was it. And then Rusev leaves. So this whole situation, I thought one, I did think it was funny in the beginning. Um, I thought that the whole like general reveal party, and then the way that. You know, the Street Profits were, and everybody in the back were, were kind of funny, and then instigating the whole drama between <laughs> Rick Shea and Mike Canellis. Really Street Profits were great. They were great in it. But it, it's funny because we, we did talk about last week how we were kind of getting to the point where we just want to see them in the ring uh, yeah. versus always doing the stuff in the back. But this week, I didn't mind that as much. It felt like it was okay. Did you have the same thought? Well, not for this week because it felt different. It felt like they wasn't, you know, just recapping, you know, the past – uh, segments like they usually do, you know, they just talk about oh, what's coming up next. Like mm-hmm. they're just basically the MCs of Monday Night Raw, but here there was actually, you know, the host of a gender reveal party. So it was it was slightly different, but it was great because they were both entertaining. You know, yeah. D'Angelo Hawkins was like, man, for a minute I thought she was gonna say I was dead. <laughs> so I, that was the funny moment, man. Oh man! Oh, and then they were talking about um, what was it? Baby on a pole. Baby match. on a pole match. Yeah. Marie on a pole match. And uh, they were like, "Well, that's how this whole problem started in the first place." And so then they laughing at that. Oh man! So yeah, it was it was a funny segment in the back for sure. I mean, I like that part of it. Um, logically, like we, you know, I, I talked about it. It's a little bit of a nitpick, but it just seemed goofy that they were going to have a match in the ring after he found out his wife was impregnated by yeah. another dude. So that was weird. Um, and yeah, just going out and having the match in the ring. I mean, it, Ricochet played his part well in terms of just being like, you know, he was apologetic the whole time. He doesn't want to fight this dude. He's just, he knows that he's getting manipulated. Um, but Mike is not relenting and he's, he's totally been, been, uh, being manipulated, basically. So he just, you know, is, is trying to fight Ricochet. And Ricochet's better than him. So he just quickly, you know, ended him. Ended him, yeah. Um, so that part was cool. Now, the Rusev part. This is the part where it's a little bit tricky for me. Because um, it's, it's actually, in a way, it's kind of interesting that we, we've we waited this long to, to do the, the podcast and talk about this. Because I've heard a lot of different um, thoughts on the, the Rusev angle now. Um, and one thought was, well, because it was his return, you kind of wasted the return on this angle. Like a lot of people were excited to see Rusev, but then the excitement kind of got muted by being in this ridiculous situation where apparently he is the father of Maria Canellis's kid. And where is Lana, his wife? 
you know, because they're not bringing her into it. And Rusev didn't say anything. And he's not saying, no, it's not me. Like, so it was just kind of like this awkward situation. And again, it's a return, right? So if you're trying to reintroduce Rusev, who hasn't been on television in months, like last we heard, Rusev was, his contract was almost up. I think he put out a tweet, like, you know, his contract is almost up. And, you know, we, we no one knew what he was going to yeah. do. I thought him and Lana was done. Like, you know, they would just be at home and just finish their remaining months on, on you know, on the contract, just being at home. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, to see him come back, it was like, all right, cool. But then now he's in the storyline. Um, so my my instant reaction when it first happened, I was like, oh, wow, Rusev's back. Cool. And I was happy, you know. And then as the match was going on, I'm like, are they really going to try to say that Rusev is the father? Like, because that will totally change Rusev's character. Because on screen, Rusev and Lana are, are married as well as in real life. So, you know, that's a big change to not really say anything, to, yeah. to not at least address it in more detail. Um, so I don't know. I feel like that I, I do kind of agree with what some some people are saying, which is it kind of messed up his return a little bit because now you're instead of just being excited to see this wrestler back, you're kind of confused as to other behind the scenes things with the storyline, um, you know, spe- specifically with his wife, like. How does this is is are they trying to say like hey him and Lana are are done on screen together um, and it's going to be Maria and him on it as an on screen pair or was this just like one of those one and done like hey we're just gonna have Maria's just manipulating him again just like she tried to do with Ricochet um, and if that's the case I thought that it was kind of a failed uh, attempt in that sense too because it's it's. It should have been clear. I don't know. It was I, such I, a confusing return. Like, yeah. you know, I was excited when I when I heard Rusev's music and him coming out looking lean and uh, you know, got the got the mustache on fleek looking real good. But I was like, huh? He he's the father. So it was just like uh, it was just confusing, and I felt like the crowd was confused because it it seemed at first. The crowd was hot for his return, but immediately was confused because they was trying to figure out what was going on. And and and, and, and to me, it was confusing. Like, all right, wh- how's this story going to progress? Is is going to be in a in the story with Maria Canellas now? Like, or are they just going to drop it? Is going to move on to something else? Like, it, it it was just a lot going in my head. Yeah, same, same here, man. So I, I don't know. Like, I just think that it's to try to bring him into a storyline right away in a, in a way it's kind of cool to say, Hey, they have something for Rusev to do. So cool. You know what I'm saying? Like he's just not going to be in jobber matches in the beginning. So fine. But it's this storyline just seems like not the right way to do it for him. You know, it's not in his character. Oh, not for him. It just doesn't make sense. So I think you think they doing doing this on purpose. Because did they re, did they renew his contract? Or are they just trying to halter his his momentum? Like if he was to leave the company, so other promotions really won't buy into him. Like I hate to think like that, but oh, that they're sabotaging yeah. his character. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know if you can completely. I don't know that another company would care about what they're doing with a person's character if they know that guy is good. Because all you need to do is is if he goes to another company, he just drops all that stuff anyway. Yeah. You know, like he doesn't carry over a lot of that. St- like this this storyline, let's say he were to go to AEW tomorrow. 
right? It'll be like this storyline wasn't happening, and he's just Rusev. He's just Rusev the man, like restarting from scratch. It's a reboot. Um, so I don't think it's um, it's something that I would that even if they were trying to do that, I don't think that would it would even matter. Um, it's like look at um, look at Moxley. You know when he left WWE, Drew McIntyre had had destroyed him. Right. Yep. And he was losing match after match after match after match on television. So you would say it's a burial, you know, like they're burying him, basically. And his last match, um, you know, which, to be honest, I didn't even see it, but it was on the network. It was that whole Shield uh, special that they did. So yeah, I think it was I, didn't watch it back that they did. I didn't see it. But, you know, it's it's the way he ended. You would say, oh, you know, it, it's again, it's a burial. So if he, another company gets him, it's like he's not going to be that hot. But. That wasn't the case at all. Like, you know, as soon as he showed up in AEW, you know, he was basically a new person. He had a new name. He he looked like a badass. He it 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 just worked, you know, because people were like, wow, this person's in this company. And let's see what he does here, you know, because he may be uh, he's gonna he was a d- completely different character basically from what he was before. Um, so I and I think there's so many ways that a new that a company would be able to erase what had happened. And I think fans just naturally get excited when someone new shows up anyway, that a lot of that other stuff just wouldn't matter. Yeah. Cause now I think about it, you know, when Rusev, he, he, you know, that whole Rusev day was hot, man. I think, I yeah. think other promotions saw the potential in that. Right. So it's like, yeah, if they, if they was trying to sabotage, I wouldn't even be worried about it then. No, no, I, I doubt that. I doubt that. Um, you know, and, and I doubt that that's what this is, to be honest with you, for Rusev. I think, you know, this is an attempt. One, I think, so part of what you said in terms of, like, because his contract, you know, he's under contract and they don't want him to go to another company, so they're giving him something to do, you know. And this is, like, if he just play out the rest of your contract, wrestling, and or maybe he resigned. We don't know. We don't know the details of, of why he came back, but maybe he did resign, and maybe that's why he's back. And, um, you know, he's he's... This is just an attempt at a story for him. Like they're, they're just trying their spitball right now and trying something new for him. Um, so yeah, that, the that's way the way, they, I kinda, way, way to yeah. reintroduce him was quite is uh, it's quite confusing. I say it, that. it feels like a miss. First, yeah. first reaction is it feels like a miss in terms of reintroducing Rusev. So, so right, you know, because who would have thought? Like you know, Maria Canell is like this is actually the father of my child and. Rusev music hits like I wouldn't even thought that I would have thought I don't know uh hell D'Angelo Hawkins like he said mm-hmm. <laughs> something like that man like but Rusev oh okay yeah yeah it, it's it's we'll see what happens tomorrow you know in terms of trying to explain this a little bit more or if they even mention it because that's a, like like we said for the last segment they may just drop the storyline altogether you know they really might um but I think Probably what's going to happen is that Maria is just going to continue to try to mess with Mike's head in order to motivate him. And that's this whole, that's the point. So it's not, I don't think it, I don't think they're going to follow up with, oh, it's, it's actually is Rusev because it makes things really complicated for the Lana part of this, you know, and, and I don't know, it just feels a little too goofy for no reason. Um, But we'll see, we'll see what they do with that. Um, Outside of that, I guess, Rey Mysterio, maybe we could talk about that just a little bit. Um, Rey Mysterio is kind of on a is, is starting to try to build momentum after having the talk with his son Dominic. Uh, so he had a match with Cesaro. 
Cesaro came out and he basically said, um, you know, you should have listened to your son um, and stayed away. You know, and basically if if that son of yours ever comes here, I'm going to do to him what I'm going to do to you right now. I'm going to beat the living hell out of him. And, you know, Rey Mysterio didn't take too kindly to that. So he came out on fire. Um, they had a decent matchup overall. I thought it was solid. I didn't think it was great. It was okay to me, match. but I just hate the way they're using Cesaro right now. It's like yeah. I knew that he was going to lose. He's just like on this losing streak on the main roster. Yeah. Yeah, and especially, you know, he was at NXT UK, you know, had a match over there, which was an amazing matchup. And you see, like, you get reminded of how great Cesaro can be. Yes. And then he gets back on Raw, and it's like he's just – you know, I don't want to say a glorified jobber, but that's kind of like the best, you know, way I can kind of he's describe it around there, though. Yeah, it's he's borderline. He's yeah. borderline there. I mean, uh, he's just so talented. You know, he's one of my favorite wrestlers to watch. He can do anything. He's one of these big guys that's just hyper athletic. You know, he's got the European uppercut that everyone loves. He's got the swing. You know, the crowd just gets excited during his matches. His entrance sucks, but, you know, him yeah. as a wrestler – you know, he's over. He is definitely over with the crowd. I just don't um, hope but, they try to put him in another tag team because that's what they that's what it feels like to me they do with him every time. Like if they can't find anything to do with him, put him in a tag team. Yeah, he well, I guess the only way that I would take that is if somehow some way Sheamus is okay and you know his injury uh is not like career ending. Where he and, is cleared to come back. I don't know if okay, you heard good. that. No, I didn't. I yeah, didn't. The yeah. last I heard is just he's he's been gone, and it's it's uh you know linked to the injuries he had had before. So yeah, so I thought I, I think I read that yesterday in Bleacher Report that he is clear to return in the ring. Then I think the bar should return. Honestly, I think they should come back as a tag team. You know, I mean, it would be cool to see Cesaro, you know, be respected as a single superstar and move up and you know, be the U.S. champion and intercontinental champion and maybe have one title reign as either Universal or WWE. But I feel like we're to a point where it's probably not going to happen for him, where he's going to have a bona fide singles run unless, like, you know, again, him and Sheamus split for good and someone there got a spark of inspiration and decided, hey, so you know what, Cesaro, he's he's – He's good. Let's let's go ahead and put him in a matchup with, I don't know, Seth Rollins or Kofi Kingston or whoever and give him a shot and see. And like, let, let's see what a Cesaro run looks like and actually sp- and, and run with that. Yeah. Like, I, I don't see that conversation happening with them in the WWE, you know, with with Cesaro. Unfortunately, I could see maybe if he were to move over to NXT, like something like that happening or NXT UK, you know, but hey, in- that can possibly happen in the draft, you know, because yeah. they're treating NXT as like a legitimate third brand now. That would be amazing. I think that would be a perfect place for him to go. And I could see him getting a legit singles run there. Yeah. So if he's, so if, if that happens, cool, then yes, take back everything I said about him not getting a singles run because that in NXT or NXT UK or, you know, I, I could see that. But on Raw or SmackDown, I would hope that Shazam, that Shazam, I almost said Shazam. <laughs> Shazam. <laughs> Should I say Shazam? No, it's Cesaro and Sheamus. Shazam. Sheamus. <laughs> there you go, tag team name. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> no longer the bar. They're now Shazamus. <laughs> um, oh, that Sheamus, uh, Sheamus comes back and then they can be the bar again. I think that would be the, the way that he can be successful again on um, on either Raw or SmackDown. 
But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. But I just wanted to to bring up that matchup for yeah, like uh, you 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 got to it is the Cesaro part of it, um, and also Rey Mysterio. Like it's it's cool to see him win. Um, I'm curious where they're going with this though. Like I feel like maybe a match with Andrade to kind of avenge the sweep that he had and all the losses that he took to Andrade. But I I, I guess don't want to see that. I've seen that match a whole bunch of times though. But the the ending was always the same where it was Andrade beating him. And that's kind of what made him almost retire when Andrade ripped off his mask. And then well, it was you know, it was the two out of three, two out of three. Right. He, well, he, I think he pinned him up two times. Right. Two in a row. But but again, you know, just forward thinking now, if not that, then how do you where, where do you go with Rey Mysterio? Because. It's it, it story wise. I feel like that's kind of that that's that was the beginning. You know, that was the inciting incidents of this whole thing. It started with Andrade, so he has to have a matchup with Andrade again to kind of get his his you know respect you know from Andrade over what he did to him. Like I, I just feel like that's the natural place that this is going to end up going because of the way they set this up. Um, I hear what you're saying that we've had this match a lot of times. Um, I guess where I kind of disagree is I'm I'm okay with seeing it because the matches they put on were, were have been great, you know. Like I actually wanted them to have that matchup at WrestleMania, you know, instead of it being Rey Mysterio and and uh, what was it Samoa Joe in that in that one matchup? Yeah, United States Championship, right? Yeah, you know, I, I wanted I wanted them to go at it one on one, you know. So this that I'm okay with them doing it again, especially because of. One, two reasons. One, the matches that they have are, have been great, and two, the storyline started with Andrade. I just think it, it, it makes sense for them to do that. Um, and and then after that, maybe Dominic is somehow a part of that. And then there's a passing of the torch from Rey Mysterio to to his son. If his son is ready, you know when they when they do that. I don't know, like time wise. You think that's the story that they're building up to? Because remember, he's uh, his son Dominic said he his his dream is to wrestle with his right. dad. Well, no, I, I think, didn't believe in the tag team. I think that that's I think it is where it's leading to is him kind of passing the torch in, you know, after that matchup. Like, yeah, he wrestles with his father and then that's it. And then that would probably be his retirement match. And, you know, his his son is the new, you know, I don't know if he'll be Rey Mysterio or if he'll have a new name or whatever. But, you know, it'll it'll sort of be like I, I feel like that's that is how Rey Mysterio kind of is, is and his son are planning the transition is for him to wrestle with his son at least one time, maybe a couple. Um, and then that transition happens. And then his son kind of takes his spot. Okay. All right. <clears throat> that, that sounds like a nice way to progress the story. Uh, I think they need to introduce Dominic again, either this week or at least by next week. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, it would be good for him to, to stick around. I, I agree. Like for him to be a part of it. But the only thing with that is, Maybe they're waiting for Dominic's wrestling to be more ready before they have him on television more often, more frequently. Because um, if you have Dominic on television and he already said he wants to wrestle with his father, the anticipation is going to be there as soon as he shows up. Like, ooh, is this the week or are we getting close? You know, and and if he's not close and we already been seeing him, then it's like mm, maybe he's not good. You know, like and so you know they're probably just trying to manage the situation a certain way to where they can protect Dominic and, and not have the focus be so, uh, so much on him while he's still trying to get ready. That's, that's what I think is going on. Okay. All right. Well, I just, 
Is there any word that Dominic has been training at the performance center or anything like that? I haven't heard anything about that. I, I had heard some rumors about it happening. I mean, I don't have, you know, that inside uh, information. I read any articles specifically, um, like detailing it, but every once in a while, you know, there's, there's like a podcast or another uh, note that'll mention like, yeah, you know, Dominic's been training and, and so we'll see. That'll be something to look into. Maybe for the next one, I'll kind of try to dig in and see if I can find anything on that. But, um, you know, it, yeah, just I haven't came what, across the story of him training, you know, any doing any additional training, but I haven't really been digging for it though. But, you know, I'll I just feel that. like, the way they're telling the story, you know, even let's let's take all of that out of it. It it's insinuating that yes, he's he's training, and if if he's not ready now, he's getting ready to wrestle with his father because you don't just put that out there and say, oh, I want to wrestle with my dad, and then we're talking like five years down the line. Why did you, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that that's not something that anyone's going to remember when that happens. Like we're gonna have to really go back, um, but. So the way that they brought it out, I feel like it's coming sooner rather than later. And, you know, maybe they're just working with them a little bit more just to to make sure. I don't know. There's there's something that's holding it back from happening. But the fact that they mentioned it on television tells me, like, okay, it's 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 in the works. Like, they're trying to figure this out. All right. All right. All right. Let's just, let's just wait and see where this goes. Are they exactly. doing some long-term future booking or by next week? We'll see something, hear something about Dominic. Yeah. All right. So now uh, the the uh, tag team matchup in the women's division between Bailey and Sasha versus the women's tag team champions Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Um, what? Give us your thoughts on on what happened in this matchup and and overall what you thought about the the story with how it progressed with uh, Becky Lynch because she played a part in this too. Uh. <laughs> I'm sorry, because I just think about that. They had that, uh, that it was fighting with chairs. chairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that picture. And I'm thinking of the, somebody made a, a meme of them doing the, you know, th- them doing the chairs, but you hear the lightsabers in the background. This oh, is <laughs> I'm oh, like, wow. It's crazy because that's what I was thinking about when I saw this. Yeah. Like, I, I thought it was like, okay, that's kind of silly. They're just fighting with chairs like swords. but yet somebody was thinking about the same thing and i was thinking you hear the lightsabers when somebody decided to make it a meme right but before that happened i thought the i thought the match itself was good you know sasha banks and bailey they look pretty vicious especially especially bailey i guess this is a i guess she's the official heel now yeah but she's portraying in in her in her way or her mind she she's still the same Bailey, the face. She's just loyal. That's what she's saying now, right? Yeah, she's still a role model. You know, she's just uh, doing. She's she's a role model by any means necessary. You know, so whatever she needs to do to to stay victorious and and keep her promises to the kids and to you know her fans is what she's gonna do, regardless of if it's morally right or not. So that just seems to be what she's doing. Which okay, we'll see where that goes. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I got to give it to, to Bailey, you know, looking vicious, taking out uh, Alexa Bliss and essentially turning into a two-in-one handicap uh, against Nikki Cross. And Nikki Cross looked good, too. You know, some of the fans were getting behind her. And and uh, I, I thought it 
in the way they, they told a good story. And then, you know, until the way, and then, you know, Becky came in and they had that chair sword fight, saber, lightsaber, whatever it was. But before that, I thought it was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, one, one note I, I, I noticed and I was watching for when this match got announced is the, the whole relationship between Sasha and Alexa and how that was playing out on screen. Um, Alexa kind of made a note in, in their backstage interview. I thought it was an interesting play on words when she mentioned trash and Sasha. She didn't call Sasha trash, but the way that she kind of paused and, and like worded it all together, um, one could, if if you know the the history between the two of them and the the social media beef, and I forget who blocked who first, and that became a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Alexa mentioned something. She says trash. Uh, that trash Sasha Banks was spewing or whatever. You know, it was like, mm, okay, I see what you're doing there. Like, you know. If if I'm Sasha, I'm like, okay, this this chick, like I'm I'm gonna we're gonna have to have words or something. And then during the match, there was uh like a lack of interaction with them at all. Like mm-hmm. they, they didn't get in the ring together. Um she there was one spot in the corner where Alexa was in the corner of Sasha and Bailey, and there was a there was a hot tag between Bailey and Sasha. Sasha got in, <clears throat> gave gave uh Bailey some kick or gave um Alexa some kicks and then tagged out. So it was real quick. And before you knew it, um, Alexa bliss had the injury quote unquote happened to her that kind of took her out of the matchup and turned it into a handicap matchup. Um, so I thought that was interesting because I was real curious because the last I had heard, I, f- I think it was Sasha who said she would never wrestle with Alexa again. Like she just did not want to ever get in the ring with her again. And then this happened, and I'm like, hmm, like how how are they gonna gonna get along and be able to work together? But they did. You know, they were both very professional, um, right. and they didn't. They found a way to kind of limit how much they had to work together because I I'm assuming whatever issues they had, given the way it all played out, it's still not quite resolved yet. Yeah. Um, so that's like that's I I wonder what they're fighting about. Like it couldn't be possibly worse than I, I'll say edge and uh matt hardy situation like they guys had to put their differences aside because you know one time lita and matt hardy who doesn't know lita and matt hardy used to date they were boyfriend and girlfriend on the road wrestlers but yet matt hardy got injured lita stayed on the road she hooked up with edge and there you go the story broke out like edge or lita cheated on matt hardy and they, they turn this into a, a, a storyline. Use their real life story and turn it into a storyline. But yet they had to be professional about it too. You know, when it came to their matches, which was crazy, they had to take care of each other. So I'm, and I'm trying to figure out in my head, like, okay, so it couldn't be possibly worse than that. Yeah, I, I'm. You're you're right. It couldn't be worse than that. You know, it, it's definitely not like a significant other kind of thing because you know they they've. I'm uh, Sasha's married. Um, that's that's separate of, of anything that's been with Alexa. So mm-hmm. it's not something relationship wise that way. And I guess we don't have to try to go into thinking the details of it. But to your point, what would be kind of interesting, though, is if in the future they were able to use that as a storyline. I think that that will be that could be one of those storylines that, you know, transcends 
wrestling and like the storytelling could be really strong because it's real. You know, who will be they, a, who will be a face? You think Alexa? Man, I well, if, or if it just happens now. Matter. I don't think it matters. If okay. it happens now, clearly it'll be Alexa who's the face. Yeah. Um, because of what's you know, Sasha's playing that heel role and she's she's getting really comfortable with that. But, you know, I think I think it wouldn't matter either way. Um, it's just the how real the story would feel because there's there's we know that they got they blocked each other on social media, um, and it became kind of a topic of discussion, you know, for a while, like, oh, what's going on with Sasha and Alexa? You know, yeah. so um, to use that in a storyline, I think would be really interesting if both are are willing and can be you know really professional with it. And I think this was a sign where there's still some issues there, and you know, but at the same time, they are both professional and they can kind of find ways to work together. Yep. So I think it'll be it'll we'll we'll see. So, but it was just something that I because I, I, that was the first thing that struck me. I was like, wow, you know, they're going to be wrestling together. Really? Okay, let me see how this plays out. Now, the matchup itself, um, again, Nikki Cross, like you said, you know, I think she came off looking really good because it was a handicap match. And I thought when Alexa was gone, this match was going to be over pretty quickly. But uh, Nikki Cross fought for a while. She, um, she, she, it looked for moments there that she was actually going to pull it off and win. But, um, you know, it, it got, it ended uh, pretty, pretty uh, straightforward in terms of uh, what was, what was the final ending? Uh, did, Bailey came in to save. Um, um, Sasha, if I'm remembering this right, yeah, because Sasha got uh Nikki in the bank statement, and then Nikki tap, and then uh Sasha went out the ring, got a chair, went back in the ring, and that's when and that's when uh Becky music hit. Uh, that's day. what it was. That's what it was. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, so that happened. Be- Becky comes out, and yeah, it was. I mean the chair, the chair battle. You know, seeing it on its own for me, <laughs> I actually accepted it for what it was. Uh, hearing other people talk about it, I'm like, okay, I can see what you guys are talking about. It didn't completely it take me out of the story. It was just to me, I thought it was comical because I just saw yeah. like, you know, zoom, zoom. I mean, you know, I'm trying to do sound effects oh, for a lightsaber because that's what it was to me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, I'm just... I, I didn't. I didn't think that when it was happening. But you saying it now, I'm just like, oh man, like, that, that just makes it so much worse. Uh, uh, you know. But you know, I see what they're trying to do. You know, they're they're two women who are just they have that in the master with each other. They're really pissed off. They've used chairs in the past against each other. So they're yeah. like, all right, let's try to make this you know look like you know we want to kill each other right now. Um, and it didn't really quite work, but that's fine. Um, and then what it led to was Sasha Banks challenging uh, Becky Lynch to a rematch at Hell in a Cell. And she ends it by saying, balls in your court, bitch. And so, you know, that gets used and that was from the crowd. Every time there's, there's profanity thrown yeah, in, like, oh, you know, you get that. Ooh. Right. <laughs> right. And then, you know, Becky had her little promo in the back and she basically accepted, you know. And so we have the match set up for, for Hell in a Cell and a rematch uh, with, with Becky versus Sasha. So... I guess forward thinking, where if you had to make an early prediction right now on that matchup, Becky versus Sasha for the women's championship, Raw Women's Championship, Hell in the Cell, which way are you going? I'm going with Sasha. Like she has to get the belt this time. Like I don't see because if she loses again, how are they going to progress? How is she going to get another rematch? I don't see that. No, I, I, I see, I see uh, Sasha getting the belt and then. And because I, I seen the graphic too of Becky being on 
SmackDown as well. So that that plays a part as well. So I got to say she's going to be going to SmackDown after they do their whole draft as well. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I would see – I could see Sasha winning for sure, you know, and, and, you know, having that be the way that they, you know, move all of this forward. And, you know, Becky, I think with or the, without the belt, you know, Becky can be Becky. You know, she can still be the man. Um, I think we've talked about this before, you know, her chasing the belt – I think would be good for her. It'd be a good change for her. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's what I'm rooting for also. Okay. Not, not just what I think is going to happen, but what I'm rooting for her to happen is, you know, Becky, I think, could use – I think either way she would be fine, but I think she could use that change. And for Sasha, I think it's a great way to just pay off the return. Like, she came back looking strong. Um, she had a great showing at the pay-per-view. I felt like she should have won right there. Um, but they had it, they had the match not finished, which, okay, whatever. Um, but now I think, yeah, definitely to have that win would, would, would help to put her, um, at the top, especially if you, if what you see, saw was right, that Becky is leaving, then that leaves Sasha primarily at the top of, of raw and that women's division and being the boss of the women's division, like her character, uh, everything which would just work so much better with her winning this matchup. And and being the champion and and kind of just taking over that division on Raw that way, so yeah, yeah. it'll be under her watch now because she'll be yeah. top heel or tweener face, whatever, on uh, for the women's division for Raw. Exactly, which great. I think it'd be a great spot for her. So yeah, we'll see, we'll see. But um, you know that match is set now for Hell in the Cell, so we'll see how that goes. Um, real quick before we get into the talking about the Fiend, uh, Lacey Evans also had a matchup with Dana Brooke, which was you know. I thought from Lacey Evans' standpoint, Lacey Evans looked good. I think this was another week of her kind of um, having good showings in these one-off matches that at first when I see them, I'm like, eh, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this. And then by the end of it, I'm like, man, Lacey really looked good in this match. Yeah. Um, And she was kind of calling out uh, Natalia. She put Dana Brooke in a sharpshooter. Um, So that was pretty cool. Um, So I guess that storyline is going to continue on with her and Natalia, which kind of came out of nowhere. But, you know, it, it, it is interesting because of how, to me, Lacey has been looking at these matches. Uh, Dana Brooke looked solid, too. But really, for me, it was all about Lacey Evans, to be honest. Uh, so any quick thoughts on that? Yeah, hey, I definitely agree because Lacey Evans, man, she's been putting in good work. And you got to like her finisher, that woman's right, too. So it, it, it was just a, a basically, you know, a solid match for her. Yeah, man, definitely. So let's let's move on to the fiend and talk about this uh, a little bit more. But before detail. we talk to talk about the fiend, I wanted to talk about this promo real quick, and it was on AOP. Oh. They look. I, I don't know if you uh, you. I don't know if you've seen it. I saw it. Okay, I did. okay. Yeah, man, it was the AOP uh, promo. They basically putting the whole tag team division on Raw. Well, actually, I don't want to say Raw. It seemed like they were just. They, they talked about the tag team division as a whole, as, or both brands. Uh, just saying WWE, just calling it out, saying they weak and they uh, they don't have the manhood. And they were saying it in their native tongue, which I enjoy. You know, you don't have to always force wrestlers to speak English. Sometimes it just sounds better talking in their native tongue, man. So it was a great promo, you know, them just looking serious. Huh? Yeah, I mean... I actually didn't really care about this, to be honest with you. Um, it was cool seeing AOP, like, 
it was like, oh, wow, AOP, I forgot about them. Yeah. Like, I literally had forgotten about that team. Um, and the promo, it, it was, to your point about them, like, just letting them be themselves and speaking them, speaking in their language and, and just having it be captioned, you know, I thought was a nice touch. It was a respectful touch to them, so I, I like that. But overall, I just felt like it didn't do anything for me, to be honest with you. Like, it didn't make me more excited to see them in the ring. I'm not really that big of a fan of AOP. Um, I think even that, in NXT. No, okay. no, I was never, I was okay. never a fan. Like when okay. when they went against DIY, you know, I felt like DIY carried those matchups, and I, I would rather have had DIY going against another team like the Revival more versus AOP. To be honest with you, at that time, um, so yeah, AOP in this situation, it's like okay, cool, you know, like they're coming back. Let's let's see what happens. Um, you know, they're not. Looks like they probably won't have a manager this time again um, on the main roster. So. Um, maybe we'll see if their own personalities are going to be good enough to just carry them forward. I think uh, I think it, it would develop. just the way they uh, you know showed it on on that promo. You know they they both in the sports jackets, you know black background, just putting everybody whole tag team division on notice. So you know with that series of music too, like they kind of just setting up the whole scene. So that's why it worked for me. Yeah, I, again, we'll we'll see because I think part of the reason why I didn't even bring it up was because I just didn't really feel anything from the promo short of I, I see what you're saying about them. It was it was cool that they spoke and they let them speak like, you know, just again in, in their own language. They didn't have, you know, some a manager there like speaking for them or interpreting for them or anything like that. So I thought that was cool. But um, I don't know. They just don't they don't move me as a team. They're just two big dudes who, you know, it's it's like it's it's the spectacle of like seeing two power wrestlers, which sometimes is works and it's really cool. But I, I can't really say like, oh, you know, I'm looking forward to an AOP match. Like, I feel like I know what an AOP match looks like. And it's just not that interesting to me. Like when they went against DIY in in their feud at NXT, you know, it was always like, oh, I just want DIY to win this matchup. And I was always nervous because AOP being the bigger team, they're probably going to have the bigger guys beat the smaller guys. So I was more, I think DIY helped carry those storylines for me. You take DIY out of it and you put like, I don't know, the Forgotten Sons in there. And man, that's going to be a boring match. Like I'm probably not going to watch that matchup if I'm being real. So, you know, for me, AOP they're they're it's like a wait and see like we'll see what happens their first run on the main roster was okay you know it, it, and then they i don't know if one of them got hurt or whatever but they've been gone for a while they come back now um you know we'll see we'll see what happens i don't know i thought they they show good work it all depends on who they're getting paired up with with so i give you that like i remember i want to say last year uh nxt takeover philadelphia when they it was AOP against Undisputed, actually. And it was a good, it was a damn good match. But would you say that was because of AOP or Undisputed? I say it worked in, in both their favor. Like it was because of Undisputed as well. So it, because it, I would argue that Undisputed, you know, they Undisputed those, and, and I guess depending on the, the combination, because if, if I'm right, was it Roderick Strong that was there with Kyle O'Reilly? Yeah. Well, the first one was, uh, was Bobby, Bobby Fish. Fish. Yeah. Okay. Either way, I mean, from this this comparison, I think even let's take the Bobby Fish one, which I think the, of the of the iterations of the Undisputed Era tag teams, that's like the one that I I am least excited about 
but I still feel like charismatically that team works as well. Um, I feel like you could put Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly up against anybody, and that match will instantly grab my attention because of of, of those two characters. Now, I can't. I don't feel like I, I can confidently say the same thing about AOP. Like, let's take the Ascension, right? Mm-hmm. If you if you put you know the Undisputed Era against the Ascension, you know I'm thinking one Ascension's getting destroyed in this matchup because it's undisputed. I mean, it's just I, they, they, it's it's going to be kind of a, a joke matchup. But I I would see it, you know what I'm saying? And I could see them finding a way to make it interesting. Like I just trust mainly Kyle O'Reilly to to make it entertaining and make it fun to watch. Um, now switch that to AOP and Ascension, and I'm just looking at it like. I don't know if this crowd is going to be into it. I'd be real nervous to book something like that. Like, who who is who is the crowd going to get gravitate towards? Like, it's just I feel like AOP needs a very charismatic team to be going against in order for their matches to work. You know, they need the crowd to really be into whoever they're working against. You know, if they're if they don't have that, I don't know. I just feel like it's just not it's it's not going to work. They need really like over either face tag teams or like undisputed, you know, kind of a tweener situation where they're just like they're just super over also. So the matches uh, they had in NXT for for AOP, the the, the tag team matches, uh the Dusty Rose or when they were just fighting for the belt against undisputed or against sanity, basically that did nothing for you. The undisputed matches and the DIY matches, yes, they did because of again, those teams are very charismatic. So I was I'm I'm usually rooting for those teams and just wanting to see them win by any means necessary. Um any other match that AOP has, I'm just like, let's just end this match, honestly. Because I'm just not that interested. And I think AOP doesn't bring anything to the table when it comes to personality. And even their wrestling, I feel is very predictable and it's just like very standard kind of stuff. You know, power bombs, um, throwing them around, punch, kick. That's it. You know, it's but they're not a powerhouse, really- man. That's what they're heavy guys. What do you expect them to do to, to be like Keith Lee? That's not the well. Deal. Not that night. Well, here's the thing, though, because let's let's be honest here. There's there's two. There's a couple different aspects where I feel like they lack. One is to to your point, bringing up Keith Lee. They do lack that creativity in their wrestling moves. That's one. But two, even if you're going to be a big guy that all you're doing is power moves, then there's the, the personality aspect, which is like a guy like Kane, for instance. Kane, the most creative thing that he would do is go to the top rope and hit someone with a clothesline. And everybody would get excited about that because it's a big guy going to the top rope. But Kane, from a persona standpoint, he's so interesting because he wears a mask. He's a scary dude. Storyline, he's the brother of The Undertaker. He has the fire. Like there's so many things we're anticipating and that we're looking forward to. Whereas with AOP, it's like you just take a general generic big guy, then you duplicate and now you have two of them, you know, and they're both just kind of there. And like background wise, I don't know anything about them personally. And so that's what these promos are trying to do. But even after the promo, I still feel like I don't know them as well. You know, it's like. um, So you got nothing from that promo. You didn't feel like. Uh, they felt like I felt like from that promo that they they was tired of, they 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 was tired of all the 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 weakness in, in the tag team division you know how basically the lackluster of the tag team division you know and 
and they put it on blast, rightfully so. That's why I got it. That's what I got out of that. I mean, they're ones to talk because when they were in the tag team division, it still sucked. You know, so it's like I, I just that that to me just feels like it's not like when they were there, everything was great. And then they left and then it sucked. Like they added nothing to the tag team division when they were there. So it's kind of like you're just making an empty comment, basically. So it just doesn't even matter to me. Like it, it's it would be more substantial if they were former champions who had dominated. And then like they're coming back to to course correct, you know, a division that that fell apart because because they left. But this division has actually survived in spite of them. They, they were there. They left and nothing has changed. And it's not like they they made a difference anyway. So they're, that whole thing is kind of like, who, who, who are you guys to talk? Like, what have you guys done since you guys got to the main roster? You guys didn't do anything. You lost Paul Ellering. And it's like you guys were. were and, and to be honest, I feel like Paul Ellering, even though he's not a, a huge part of the team, but, you know, he added a little bit of something in terms of just an overall like like just a little extra something that well, I'm he like, was okay. the mouthpiece man in nxt he was the mouthpiece they didn't really have to do any talking they just had to look in the camera and yeah, let, and let Paul like, do his thing but here now they get to show more of their their you know uh their characters which i like so hopefully like what would you say are their characters like what 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 are their characters because i i don't see anything significant about them that it just seems like very basic stuff two big guys who are just power wrestlers and they're talking a lot of stuff that really doesn't, it didn't add up to anything, but what, like, who would you say these, like, who are they? I say, uh, say a couple of brutes who would like to take care of business and who are just straight up, uh, straight up manly men, how they said it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like that stuff that we've heard before. It just, it just, it just sounds boring to me. Honestly, it's nothing, it's nothing unique. There's nothing unique in, in any of that. You know, it's just two dudes who are like, you know, you you could say the same thing about, you know, gosh, the Bludgeon Brothers are like a more unique version of that. You know, two big brutes who are manly men like that could fit so many big guy. Tactics. I couldn't took we're talking about Bludgeon Brothers though with the with the rubber hammers. The only reason I brought them up was because of the way you just described AOP it fits other big guy tag teams in the same way. Like there's no, it, just that description right there. It's very like, eh, it's just blah. It's like, it's, it's like if you were creating wrestlers in a, in a video game, right? Like that's like default tag team one, you know what I'm saying? Like that there's, it's, it's not, it's not like um, you take like stone cold, Steve Austin, right? I mean, this is, you, you we talk about characters stone cold, you know, his character, all right. He's the Texas rattlesnake, right? Like he had the matchup with Jake the Snake at King of the Ring where he said Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass. Like he has that history, you know, he had the storyline with Vince McMahon. Like he has that thing with authority. Like there's specific things that you could say about him that they built up over time. With AOP, you know, it's basically like we're talking about them in terms of their their uh, their physical traits, but we're not talking about them as people. You know, and these promos, again, you know, we can say, OK, that's that's how they're trying to to build that story. And, you know, maybe we'll get there with time. But right now, because from from when they were in NXT to this point, I feel like we haven't gotten those moments to where we, we could say, hey, we learned about who these characters are more or that they define their characters more specifically. 
it still feels like they're the same guys when they were in NXT, when they first debuted. Like from then till now, in terms of character, we really haven't gotten anything short of, yeah, we're big brute guys who just like to, you know, just like to fight, like to wrestle. And that's it. And it's like, but how do you separate yourself from everybody else? If Because everybody can say that. You know, the bar would kids say that. Yeah, we're big guys who like to fight and we like to compete. You know, the bar basically is is saying it says the same thing that these two guys are saying. Like, you know, they're they are the bar, right? They are the standard, the standard bearers for the WWE. That's why they they say they're the bar. Mm-hmm. That's basically what AOP is saying right now. Like, hey, you know, the tag team division is is complacent, you know, or whatever. Like, it's not what it used to. It, it's 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 fallen off. They're calling people out. Drew McIntyre was doing that. You know what I'm saying? Like, so for me, I just feel like they they're not unique yet you know maybe they get there but right now like them saying hey you know it's falling off dude you guys were not that special to begin with so you can't come in and say i think that's debatable i think they were good i think they were special in nxt because well, you say yeah. you didn't really care for them in nxt okay that plays a part of the re- reason why you're not feeling them now because i enjoyed their stories with with uh, Undisputed, DIY, even the War Games match they had with Undisputed Insanity in that match. I mean, we I guess we just in terms of what we are excited by with the with with them, you know, for you you enjoy seeing the heavyweight uh the heavyweights um just be brutes, right? And like just be power wrestlers and then have those storylines where you have those strong face characters or those those um, charismatic characters going against a team like this because really what it was is they were they were the scary team that you know they just couldn't be beaten they were undefeated yep. and so you know everybody was trying to to beat them and defeat them and so you were enjoying that aspect of it is who is going to beat this team this dominant team um, for me you know in this situation was like that team I feel like was just put in that situation to be dominant because they're two big guys, but character wise, they're very basic. And so it's like, if you take away the the push that they were given and you just look at them for who they are, they're not that interesting. And so I even question if they're even deserving of that kind of a push really, because their characters aren't really interesting enough to get them over without it. Like if if you were to just say, Hey, we're not going to make you guys undefeated. We're just going to have you with all of these other tag teams and all of you guys are going to have the same record. You're going to take some wins. You're going to take some losses. Like then they're just like everybody else. You know, it's really the record and how they were undefeated that made them special. You know, so, you know, teams like undisputed and, you know, DIY, they don't need to be undefeated in order to be special. You know, they just get over because of their characters and just how they are, you know, they're charismatic, you know, but with these guys, it's like, they needed that push. They needed, you know, Triple H and Regal to say, hey, this is how we get you guys over. We make you undefeated. You guys are big guys, so we're going to make you guys seem unbeatable. Well, when, we're when you have, have big guys, they need to be built certain ways. You just can't – they can't just take losses like, you know, like a DIY or undisputed. Like, for example, I'll give you Braun Strowman. He, you know, he's a big guy, and there's certain losses he should not just be taking. For example, the one in Clash of Champions. He shouldn't have took that L. He should have won. Like, logically, he should have won that match. So I I think, you know, 
just, I guess what I'm talking about though is just like with Braun, that example, that's a good example, you know, from, from where I'm looking at it because Braun, even though, yes, he, there's losses that are illogical where he's so big, it's like, why is he losing to this person or that person? But where I would kind of challenge this, this, where you're going with this is with, with Braun versus AOP, Braun's character is so much more interesting because of like one, the stories that he's had and the stories that he's, he's been through and some of the losses actually helps in some ways, like with Roman Reigns, for instance, you know, can help build that character, right? With, with AOP, again, they just feel like, I still don't feel like I don't know them, you know, like more time on the mic. This was a start for sure. This promo, but like more time on the mic to help us get to know them a little bit better, you know, and just develop those characters with Braun. It's like, he's just a fun character to watch period. Even if he's not wrestling, like he's gotten to the point where he can connect with the crowd, even on the mic, you know, like he just has this, this thing about him that people are just like gravitated towards him. There's the mystique because he's a big guy who, you know, is really athletic and, you know, now he's trying to go off the top rope and he runs really fast when he's in the ring. And like, you could see the effort. You could see like he's he's just a little bit different than all of the other big guys. You know, like he's separate to me. He's separated himself from other types of big guys in his own unique way. You know, Braun has his thing. You know, I feel like AOP is still trying to develop what their thing is. They don't they don't have it yet. You know, and I and I guess my point in all this is just that I, I'm not willing to give them that until they can f- figure that out. Because for me, what gets me excited is is like, how do you separate yourself from every other big guy that I've seen? Because right now, from what I've seen so far, it's very generic. You know, with Braun, he's not generic anymore. You know, he, he when he first came on the scene, yeah, he was just a big dude with the with the sheep mask, with the black sheep mask. Yep. But since then, man, he's changed so much. Like he has drastically changed from that guy to what he is now. And the crowd is just like, they feed off of him, you know, granted some of the, the, the booking is kind of messed with his, with his, uh, is his mystique a little bit, but for the most part, I mean, just looking at it from a, how he's changed standpoint, going from a guy who would not talk, you know, disheveled sheet mask, um, basic big dude to now with the, you know, uh, get these hands and just the, he's, he's, you know, slimmed down and, you know, he, the way he wrestles, he, he runs, you know, runs the rope like a, like, like, like he's half his size, basically. Um, he has the little thing now where he'll go around the ring and everyone anticipates him like running around the ring and hitting everybody that's on the outside of the ring. He does a drop kick now. Like he just like does things that other guys just don't do that separates him from other big guys. Um, and that, that's where I'm looking for AOP to, to figure out for themselves. Like, how do they separate themselves from other big guys too? And I don't think they've done it yet. Um, but yeah. Well, I, I think they have to, the way they booked them has to help them as well. But I, it was a good, for me, it was a good promo because it, they didn't show up in their Bonnie armor. It wasn't no, uh, who was their last manager? Was it Drake Maverick? Yeah, it was. Okay. It was so, yep. so, so I think that didn't help them as, as well. Having Drake Maverick as their manager. Uh, That's true. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a disservice, uh, much disservice to AOP. So at them being shining his new light, you know, with the sports coats, with the dress shirts, button ups, and basically talking in their native tongue, just talking about taking care of business. I thought that was a good start for them. 
Okay. Yeah. I think we could, we could cap it there. I mean, I'll, I'll just say that I'm, I'm looking for that, that uh, evolution, you know, to see them continue to evolve from what they were. This is, this is a step. I think it's kind of a small step for me. Like I'm, I'm not there yet. You know, you really enjoyed it and you enjoyed them more before than I did. So, you know, we'll just, we'll just track it and see, see how they continue to try to develop, develop this team. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, again, my, my point with Braun Strowman with some of these guys, I'll even use Killian Dane as an example, the guy that they started out as, and the guys that they are now, you know, it's changed so much. And you just see that development into actual like characters. You can say, okay, this is how he's unique. This is how he's unique. And what I'm looking for is just to see like that continued transformation of these two guys, because as again, from where I'm sitting, if you turn on their debut uh, match in NXT, right, and you put that on, and then you see their last match in WWE, they they look identical. It's like the same team. Um, so I, I I feel like I just want to see them try to evolve more. Um, let them let them get on the mic, whether they're speaking in their in their language or whatever. Like I I want to I want them to develop more, and then maybe I'll feel like okay, like. Like now they're starting to grab my attention because, you know, they're I'm starting to get a sense of who they are uh, and, and seeing their character more. But, yeah, I think we could I think we could debate this uh, you yeah, know, long into this whole thing. But I think we should just cap it right there because that, you know, is, is something that we won't get an answer here. We just have to see how wait and see. Yeah, we could tell yeah. this conversation. Cool, cool. All right, so now let, let's get to to me just a, a thing I'm I'm really excited to talk about, which is the fiend and how uh, his whole night went on Raw. Um, basically, the night. Uh, well, actually, you know what? I'm gonna let you talk about it first, and then I'll I'll go ahead and, and fill in after after you. So you do the honors. All right. So the how the night kicked off is is basically is basically how Seth came out. He was just recapping the what happened last night, giving Braun Strowman his due. You know, just putting them over like, hey, it's the toughest fight. And I got to be honest, if I was the, I'm kind of glad I don't have to face him again. So he, he was saying those words to put him over. Okay. Now, and real quick, yeah. what, did, what did you think of Seth opening the show the way he did? Because just to give a little bit of context, the last time we saw Seth at Clash of Champions, The Fiend had just done <laughs> the Sister Abigail and the Mandible Claw to him. After he had just gotten in, he was in two matches. He was in that tag team match in the opening of Clash of Champions where they lost. And then he was in the Universal Championship match in the main event. And yeah, him and Braun went to war. He took that frog splash from Braun and, you know, survived that yeah. somehow, some way, yep. you know, quote unquote. And then after that, then the Fiend attacked him, you know, Sister Abigail, Mandible Claw. He's like out, done. And then the first thing we see is Seth Rollins walking down the ramp on Raw. So that kind of had me feeling a certain type of way. But I just like what what was your thought on on just that aspect of it? I don't know. I thought he should have just been somewhat hurt. Like he came out fine. Like, dude, you just took a frog splash from Braun. You got a sister Abigail from Bray Wyatt, and you coming out like nothing happened. Yeah. <laughs> no type of yeah. lingering injury like you using a battle you just said that yeah. about you putting Braun over like i was in a battle but you right. like no no you know 
taped around the the ribs or nothing like that. Nothing, man. It was nothing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was bizarre. It was bizarre. I, mean, yeah. I know I set that up, you know, with the way I described it, but that yeah, definitely. I just felt like it was bizarre that he comes out and it's like nothing happened. Like if you didn't see the pay per view, you wouldn't have known everything that he had been through. And that's usually the way that they help put guys over. Like with Brock, I mean, he was wearing that tape. You know, like he showed like, hey, I got my ass whooped, you know, and now, you know, with with uh, Braun, you know, and with uh, Dolphin and Robert Roode. Yeah. You know, it's like he he fought all three of these guys, basically, and the Fiend, you know, and then comes out and just has the, the strap, no sign of weariness or nothing. You know, he's talking about having a match later on that night, you know, you know, with Robert Roode again, a singles matchup as the main event of this show. It's like how? how what you're saying you're putting him over, but actually you're not putting Braun over because yeah. by the way, you're not selling the injuries right now. Exactly. So. Like there's no sale at all, man. So yeah. that that was definitely a head scratcher right there of of how, how, how you know, it's a good point how you're talking about like you're trying to put Braun over, but you really didn't. Because right. you should be coming out like, Oh man, I'm sore or believe me, it's it's gonna be tough though. To, you could have said like this is gonna be a tough fight to fight Robert Rude because of what what Braun put me through something like that, but nothing right. it came out like everything is all good. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah. So then uh, we're at the the opening basically still with him and you were right about to get to where we, we got the first interaction with the fiend on, on screen. Oh yeah, man. So Bray, uh, Bray Wyatt comes out in the Firefly Funhouse, and he is excited to see his future best friend, Seth Rollins, <laughs> he said it. <laughs> and, and what was cool about this too? So oh, Firefly Funhouse is always a video segment. It's always a yes. video segment, and it was a video here too. So they're showing uh, Bray on screen, and Seth Rollins in the ring. And here's you know the the graphic comes up for the Firefly Funhouse. It's on the screen, and so now I, I wasn't sure whether or not this was happening live. Or if this was a pre-tape, I, I think it's pre-tape. It has you to, think so? and then maybe they, and him, and maybe Seth Rollins was just timing it perfect. I was gonna say because Seth was talking to him because you know Bray was just doing his thing, like you know with the puppets and everything, yeah. he was talking, and you couldn't tell right away. Like at first, you could say, "Okay, this is pre-tape," but then at a certain point, you know, Seth cuts him off, and he's talking to him. I'm like, "What? This is this is a live version of Firefly Funhouse? Oh man!" But to your point, though. Maybe they had just rehearsed it to a point where they could use the pre-taped version um, with Seth talking to him live because they've they've done that before. Yeah, um, it was just done so well where it it was hard to tell. And I think kudos to WWE for that that they they really you know planned that out well and worked it out well to where they they kind of broke the the fourth wall a little bit or or not. That's probably the wrong term in this situation, but just. It, I thought it was just a video we're watching where he's just going to go through his whole thing, but it was actually some interaction there. Yes. I, I enjoyed that. Right I enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. And even uh, have Seth Rollins reply. He's like, you're sick, Bray. You're sick. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Bray just responding in kind. He was like, That's, you shouldn't say mean, nasty things like that. You know, it's <laughs> Bray is, is like, he's brilliant and a genius. Yep. You know, him just how the way he's doing this character, the split personality is awesome. And how he kind of set it up is giving us motive as well, like the reasons why he's kind of going after Seth, telling him, you know, you know, uh, I've met 
he said, I made, I, I like, I've, uh, Bray Mave have, uh, forgiven, but the fiend hasn't forgotten. So kind of setting that up, I'm like, oh, okay. So like, what has he forgotten? Like back in the day when, when the shield and, and the Wyatt family used to go at it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so it, all, all of that getting thrown in a pot was, man, it was making a good recipe for me, man. So I thought it was a great segment in the beginning and man, you know, and the way I give it up to 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 Seth as well, because he sounded very confident. And I think that worked be- I, I think it worked in the beginning because he came out confident because you know he's the monster slayer now, of course. So <laughs> he's he's feeling he's on his high horse telling Bray he's sick, but what happened towards the end of the night, you know, after Kane comes in and, and gets the save and is getting ready to do his uh his fire when the fire comes out from the ring post, but that didn't happen because his, his arms are in the air. And as soon as his arms are getting ready to come down, Bray Wyatt music or the fiend music hits comes down, getting him a manable claw looking awesome. And, and I'm thinking that's the reason why Seth Rollins is freaking out because he just saw Kane get, get choked out violently in front of him by the fiend looking this, looking at this crazy mask and he, and soon as the fiend is done, what well, was this was crazy. Soon as the fiend was done with Kane, he put then he uh, points his attention at Seth, and Seth is freaking out. He goes in the corner of the ring, graveling almost in the corner of the ring, and the fiend is up close in his face. Probably couldn't be like probably twelve inches away from his face, more than that. And he's yelling and. And he's, he's saying, I don't know what he said. He was like, oh, something like that. And Seth, he, he's, he's freaking out. He's uh, breathing hard. He's like, <sighs> and I'm like, bro. And then all of a sudden, he's closing his eyes, thinking about, I don't know, thinking about something else. He doesn't want to be there. Like, what do you think Seth is, is thinking about, k uh, I'm not sure, honestly. <laughs> just, like, what he's thinking about? Because uh, a lot of stuff yeah. like was going going on in his head. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I, I, he I went back there right the beach I don't know. where he yeah. just proposed. To, he was happy thought. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so here, here's what I, what I'll say about it is that just to give a little bit more context on on what had happened. The and actually, I want to go back a little bit. There was a little technical thing that they did right after. Oh yeah, the I know what you're talking about. From house yep. Where all of the graphics were upside down. Um, so they had the raw graphic and raw. The raw logo was upside down, and the the pictures of all the wrestlers. They were saying, "Oh, this person's gonna wrestle this person," and those pictures were upside down too. And then at first, I was like, "Man, is this an actual technical uh, glitch?" <laughs> and no one's catching it. But then Renee Young goes. Were those graphics upside down the whole time? And I'm like, hmm, maybe this has something yeah, to do with Bray. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, throughout the night, there was a tease again of, of Bray Wyatt and, you know, potentially being there and, you know, you know, doing something later on in the match. I lay there in the, in the card. And then we had the, the main event, which was going to be Seth Rollins versus Robert Roode, one-on-one, non-title. Um, that ended in DQ. And it, Dolph Ziggler was there also. So you've got Dolph Ziggler kind of messing with the matchup. And then it was the OC that had come out. Um, now, we had skipped this part, too, but uh, K-1000 
Kane as Glenn Jacobs, as his, as as him as a person, as the mayor, uh, was a part of this show as well. Oh, yeah. And he actually won the twenty four seven championship uh, earlier on. First the show. mayor to do it. First mayor ever to do it. Um, and then our truth ended up winning it back from him. And then they called the truce, and so they walked into the building together. So that was cool. Then uh, flat, uh, fast forward back to this main event matchup, where you know again we've got the the uh, OC now at this point. Uh, Dolph Ziggler and and uh, Robert Roode all jumping Seth Rollins, just destroying him at this point. So Seth is taking a lot of damage. Um, then you got Kane coming in for the save, which I guess you could say they had history from when uh, Seth was a heel, and both of them were in the the um, the authority. Yeah, and so yep, you, say, you know yeah. that I guess story wise, you could say that's why you know Kane and him have this connection. So Kane uh, comes up uh, full mask, no longer the mayor. He's he's now Kane. Uh, look basically like he's always looked, man. He looked good. He looked like You're he was looking good, man. good ring shape too. Yeah, yeah. And he was just knocking out people left and right. Like man. Robert Roo came up, he gave him a quick chop, and he was done. <laughs> you know, Dolph Ziggler one chop done. So he just one shot and all these dudes. Um, he choke slammed Carl uh, Anderson, or it was Gallows. He choke slammed Gallows first, and then he grabbed uh, uh, Anderson. And then AJ came trying to trying to punch him. He grabbed him too, and then he did a double choke slam. And so then, you know, he's standing in the middle of the ring. The crowd's loving it. They're like, oh, man, it's Kane. This is great. Kane's ready to do the, getting ready to do the fire. Drops. And he's just about when he's about to drop his head, uh, his hands down, so the lights start going out. And then that's how you know. Everyone knows at this point that that's, that's the cue that the Fiend is about to jump somebody. And I loved how Kane kind of just stood there. Like, my gripe with uh, Jerry the King Lawler was I thought he made it a little bit too hokey. Uh-huh. I get it because that's technically Jerry's character. That's fine. But I just didn't really like that. This I loved, you know, and it was well within Kane's character. So it really made sense. Uh, Kane being uh, the, the the devil's favorite demon uh, just kind of stood there. And the lights are slowly going out, slowly going out. It's like one level, another level, another level. And the lights are out. And then the the lights kind of flicker as it does for the fiend, and you see the fiend right behind Kane, and Kane kind of makes this slow look back. He doesn't turn his body; he just turns his head, and you see him kind of look back yeah. and see the fiend, and the fiend's looking at him, and it's like this like western like showdown moment, like who's gonna act first? And the fiend just took him out, took him out, gave him the animal claw. He was down, done. Now. The way I interpreted Seth Rollins is actually a, bit, a lot different than the way you interpreted it, but I appreciated your interpretation because it adds, uh, it gives me some food for thought on how this all went from a, another perspective. So my perspective of it was after Kane got the mandible claw, and and again Seth had just been jumped by five guys, right? After to have having this matchup because this is the night after Clash of Champions. To our point earlier on. Yep. He had fought, you know, the defended the tag team titles against Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler. They lost. Then he fought uh, Braun Strowman, took a frog splash, just just all these power moves, you know, and and had that happen. And they got jumped by the Fiend the night before. Now he's fighting Robert Roode. Then he gets jumped by Dolph Ziggler, uh, Gallows, Anderson, AJ Styles. So he's taking all this damage. Then, uh, you know, sure Kane helped came out and helped him, but he's still been. He got his ass whooped you know, by all these guys. <laughs> <laughs> and now the fiend is there. Okay. So the fiend is there and he, you know, does the mantle claw. So now he's done. The fiend is done with Kane. And then he looks over to Seth. And the camera shot is great of just like watching the fiend look at Seth. So Seth is in the foreground and 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 uh the fiend is in the background. And you see him inching closer and closer to Seth. And Seth is like 
kind of I, I took it as more like it was a combination of all of the damage and being a little bit like Balor, where he didn't know what to make of this thing that's by him. And he's he's been brutalized, basically, yeah. at this point. So, you know, he's kind of anticipating like, you know, I'm, I'm about to like he's about to come at, at me and get me while I'm in this weakened state. Like, you know, he's just getting he's more of an ass whooping is coming. So, you know, and the fiend is kind of toying with him because he knows he could do whatever he wants at this point. Like he, he Seth is right for the picking at this point, just to, to get destroyed some more if he wanted to. But he, instead of attacking him, he's using this opportunity to kind of play mind games and get as close to him as possible, knowing that Seth is helpless, you know, and, and trying to intimidate him. And so Seth, you know, basically just being worn out and just, just, just again, destroyed, battered, you know, can't really do anything but just sit there, you know, and he's maybe in the back of his head. He's like trying to he does. He's not going to squirm away, you know, because that would really look terrible if he's like, you know, squirt like squirts down and like rolls underneath the rope and like tries to escape the fiend. Like he's not going to go that far, but he did just enough to where he kind of turned his head and like didn't look at the fiend like eye to eye. He just had his head kind of turned the other way. And it's like he, you, you could tell he's feeling the breathing and like he's 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 getting this yeah. uh, this intimidation from the fiend. So you know that's kind of how I interpreted it. it. Was it was a bigger role for me was how much damage he had taken, and that there was like maybe his body was just done, and like he just was kind of in the corner. I like, took it as he was he was scared. He he was freaked out because he just seen yeah. he's visually seen Kane get choked out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All violent. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you got your, all of a sudden, you know, the fiend has set his attention on you and dude, he panically, frantically goes into the corner of the ring. Like he, and he's breathing hard and he closes his eyes. So that's, that's how it, I, that's how I took it as for, for See, me. I'd have to see it again because the, the couple parts that I didn't see is I didn't see when he got, went into the ring, when he got, went into the corner. I didn't see that to be able to interpret that as he like was trying to get away and squirmed away from the fiend. I didn't see that. Mm -hmm. And then I I did see him turn his head away, but I don't remember him completely closing his eyes. Oh, really? Oh, you got to look at it, man. I'll I'll have to watch that again. Because he has his eyes open and then then he closes them as soon as the fiend gets closer and closer. He closes them. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, that definitely something to watch again, but. Overall, you know, I, I love the the angle regardless. You know, the way that you saw it and the way that I had interpreted it the first time when I saw it. And I feel like either way works for me because I want the fiend to be this menacing dude. Like I, I want him to be someone that could put fear in a person like Seth Rollins. You know, because Seth Rollins right now, I mean, he's 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 everything for the WWE right. he's the face of yeah. the company. Um, so for the fiend, that that puts him over greatly to say that he can put that kind of fear in the heart of your champion. Like, you know, that that's the kind of respect that he deserves for sure. So I thought it was a great segment. It was a great night all the way through. And even and at the very end, they showed the Firefly Funhouse logo for maybe another five minutes or so. It kind of felt like. Yeah, it was like about they, one minute you, that it just went. <laughs> it it, was, it felt like it was longer than that. Yeah. I, I don't think I'm, I'm exaggerating too much to say it was past a minute because I, I left it on screen and I'm watching. I'm like, wait this is still going on. Like what, what is happening? <laughs> you know, like, again, did they, at this point, I know it's not a technical glitch. I know oh, it's no. on purpose, but it's just kind of funny to see like how long they let it linger. And, uh, but I thought it was nice. Like it's, it's, it's 
so great. And then it was like, it wasn't just the, the graphic. Like then they would have it like slow down and, you know, speed up. And uh, you know the voice would change, yep. you know, and get creepier. Even the uh, the, the the lyrics uh, uh, for the music as well. It kind of yeah. how they kind of switched it up or reverse it. Yeah, yeah. it was a nice touch. Mm-hmm. It was a nice touch just to to give the fiend more impact on the show overall. Um, and I heard on another podcast too, like I thought it was a cool idea. If little by little you just see the fiend's impact even more so on Raw. To the point where maybe eventually there's a Raw where all of Raw is the Firefly Funhouse. And it's like just everything, the set, <laughs> ring, everything is just has oh, this influence wow. from yeah. Like I think that could be pretty crazy. And I, I, I would I would love to see that even if it was just for one episode of Raw. I think that'd be great. What I would love to see is what we had talked about, Class of Champions, about how you know, uh, I I'll use Kofi as an example when we were saying about Randy Orton leaving an imprint on Kofi and him just, you know, the way it would just change his character slightly. Mm-hmm. I want this to happen with The Fiend and Seth Rollins, you know, because Seth is feeling so confident because now he's the monster slayer. But if they're going to book this in a way that The Fiend is going to go over, then he needs to leave an imprint on Seth Rollins the way that's going to change his character. Hmm. So say more about that, because I, I guess where I'm OK, so with with Kofi, I see it because Kofi, clearly he's like got this positive, you know, this positivity, power of positive positivity. He throws pancakes. Yeah, it's very like happy go lucky. Right. It's it's like it's, he doesn't really get super serious until, you know, he gets in the ring. He's wrestling. You know, he drops a smile and he will, he'll, you know, be, you know, he'll show anger. And there's that. But, but with Seth, yeah. I think it's different because he's, you know, he comes out overconfident. So now you throw a little bit of fear in there. And now now you 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 change the now you change up his 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 character a little bit because you never seen uh Seth act, you know, fearful unless he's like uh when he was like a heel, but that was like what, five years ago or something like that. Right. But uh other than that, I, I think I think that's how it can work for the fiend, you know, the Seth looking not not as confident as before. How he would just come out, you know, I'm gonna slay the fiend or something like that, but he's not saying stuff like that. You know, even conversations they could do like a segment with him and Beth, uh, not Beth, but uh, Becky, and Becky could say like, "Man, you haven't been sleeping in your, you haven't been sleeping in our bed. What's going on? Like you waking up in cold sweat, something like that." You know, to the effect that you know it's it's changing his character. I think that's interesting. I, I I am 100% all for, you know, an evolution of a character. I mean, we were talking about that in our last debate, yeah. you know, when it came to AOP. Like, I, I think that that's, that's always great to see that change. I mean, that's, you know, storytelling one-on-one for sure. Um, I, I, I guess what I don't know is, so so let's, let's say uh, Hell in a Cell, The Fiend wins. Now, you're saying after Hell in a Cell – that he would still be kind of showing the effects of fear yeah. from being after the hell in the cell match. So are you saying that you, because if you do that, I feel like the story then becomes that he's going to have that rematch with the, with the fiend after that matchup. Um, so how do you see that progressing? Because I guess that's where I'm struggling with it. Like I, I personally don't know that I would want Seth to fight the fiend again I, I, right away after losing the, losing the belt. 
you know, I feel like Seth would need some time away from the belt. I, I would know? say that would be it. And then, and yet he's going on his losing streak too with that as well, because he's, he's been so affected by this loss by the fiend. Now he's going on a losing streak. Maybe, maybe have a, uh, a match with Cesaro and Cesaro gets a win, you know, mm. and everybody's shot like, man, what's going on in the following week with Seth? Like he's just another, he has another match and it could be against Cedric Alexander and he gets a win on Seth Rollins, man. So that's, that's what I'm talking about. Like, you know, uh, just, just shaking up somewhat of his core a little bit because you know how he, he comes off very confident and very cocky. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I like what you're saying. I feel like when you said that, I just thought of Rey Mysterio. I feel like that's the storyline that he has going on right now that he's, he's, you know, he had that losing streak and, you know, he was basically shake, shaken up by the fact that he lost the two matches back to back, you know, he'd never lost a, you know, two, he'd never been swept in a two out of three falls match. And that just, you know, the losing piled up to the point where he wanted to retire. And so you kind of have both of those storylines going side by side. So just looking at it, you know, big picture. I feel like the I I like what you're saying because again, for the fiend to have that impact on Seth, I think would be cool. I think the challenge would be how do you make it different from what's going on with with Ray if that's the case. Now, you know, personally, what I was thinking where that all this was going was that you know the fiend would beat Seth, and I I again I do want there to be a change, but I wasn't totally going there to where I needed a change for Seth. I just need Seth to not be going against the fiend, you know, in the, in the rematch, like Seth can still like, I don't want him to walk away from that and act like he had never fought the fiend before. You know, I, I I think that's where you're going. Like he needs to have been affected by the fiend, but I don't know that you go the route of a, of necessarily a, a losing streak for Seth you know, after that, because of how similar it is to a, a story like like Ray's, um, you know, it's it's tricky. And we're getting into like, you know, trying to book it like legit now, yeah. if, if I'm thinking about it. But, um, you know, I think that there's there's a there's a fine line there where you want to affect Seth with this without it being like, OK, you're retelling another story that you've done before or that you're currently doing now. And so that would be the challenge for them. So I think what happens to Seth after the Fiend matchup, because I, I think everybody and their mom is thinking that the Fiend is going to win. And and rightfully so, the Fiend should win that match and become universal champion. Uh, so this, now, is there a way? You see, Do you see a way of of Seth winning? Seth Rollins winning against the Fiend? No. 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 Unless they just want to bury the Fiend. Which Is there a way to book that. Seth to win without burying the Fiend? A DQ, but in Hell in a Cell, it's no, no DQ that's not going to work. Hell, hell in a Cell, exactly. But I'm just saying, like it would have to be because. Okay, so full disclosure, uh, and I'll just say spoiler alert because this is something that happened at a dark show, but it, it's not. It's not something that I think we'll ever really hear about on television. Um, they did actually have a match. Yep, the the Fiend and, and Seth, and so. Um, the way that that went down was basically uh, the Seth had hit the curb. Well, they had a standoff. You know, they kind of looked at each other, and it was it was you know just it was a it was a photo of the the pose or the the stare between both of them. And then um, I guess what had happened was it was like a DQ finish, like the fiend 
um, was just brutalizing Seth to the point where they, they called it. But then Seth uh, kind of came back and hit like four curb stomps or something afterwards. Uh, but the Fiend basically no-selled the curb stomps. Um, so I, I think what that's kind of setting up is that there's nothing that, that Seth is going to be able to do to the Fiend that's going to be able to put the Fiend down. So I just I just can't see a way that I don't see them booking Seth winning at all. Like I just I just can't see right. it. So you have I, no I, I fear. Just, like on no. the last podcast, you were saying like that's my fear that Seth will will become the fiend slayer. I <laughs> I mean it's it's definitely a fear. Like from that aspect that you never know what the WWE is going to do. Yeah. But I feel like all signs are pointing to the fiend is going to win. The fiend should win. You should. You know he should win. Um, what they end up just deciding to book, like maybe Vince, you know, the right 10 minutes before the matchup just changes his mind and says, you know what, let's just give it to Seth because that's good shit. You know, like he might just do something like that just randomly. Um, but I just feel like everything is pointing to The Fiend winning. And if he loses, that's it. You know, like everything you've built up, you've just kind of killed it. You can't go back to him being this like, scary intimidating dude after you just had him lose so quickly after just starting to establish himself like undertaker i mean he he's been you know around for a long long time so at this point losses is like okay you can accept a loss for the undertaker because yep. he's just he's been around for so long he's already established a loss does not hurt the undertaker but that's after years yeah years and years and years of of building that character yeah, so you over know, 30 years yeah, the fiend. We're not. We're barely. We're not at a year at all. You know what I'm saying? Like even so, that's why I was thinking maybe they would even wait a year before even giving him a title shot. To be honest with you, like I thought, you know, have him go undefeated for a full year, and then maybe you can think about putting him in a in a championship matchup for the Universal Championship or WWE or whatever they want to do. Um, so with it being this soon, I feel like they've booked themselves into a point where it has to be that he wins. He just, they have to because he would just kill his momentum too quickly. So yeah, to answer your question, no, I, I just can't see it. I can't, I just cannot see a way that they book it to where Seth wins. Okay. So yeah. I was just wondering and, and, because and I knew how you felt last week when we talked. Yeah. And I was just wondering, you know, did you have a way that how, how they can book this for Seth to go over? No. And that goes with my fear. Like that's like, I, that, that, I think that's why I said that I fear it because I just can't see that making sense. Like it would just be so stupid to do to book Seth to win because there's no, I can't see a logical way for that to make sense. You know, like there's so many goofy things you could do in terms of like having it be no contest or whatever. Um, And I mean, I haven't talked about this, but the preview for raw is showing that there's going to be like a five, five man matchup to see who's going to be the number one contender For for the universal championship, which I'm like, why are they doing that right before hell in the cell? Right, that, that makes uh, no sense. You know, like it, it's just weird, but I guess the, the way I take it is this, they just want something for Seth to do on the road to hell in the cell. And so they're going to put this in there just to kind of do this, right? Have us have something to talk about. Like, wait a minute, you know, well, hell in cell like fight. less than what well, we got about three weeks. I mean, I, because the fiend doesn't wrestle on these shows, you know, I'm guessing they just are like, all right, let's have Seth, you know, 
anticipate having to fight someone else or he's going to say, I'm a fighting champion. So, you know, I'm challenging anybody. And then maybe on the show, they'll actually put this together, you know, because WWE will do this too. Sometimes they'll, they'll advertise, advertise something like yeah. this. But then the way that they show it on television, it's like they never advertised it. It's like it's just happening right in front of us. So that might be going on too where, I mean, don't be surprised tomorrow if they don't mention the Fatal Five Way right, right off the bat. And Seth basically like makes the challenge or one of these guys makes a challenge and then the other four guys come out and they're like, well, I think I deserve a shot. Well, I think I deserve a shot. Well, I think, well, guess what, guys? All of you are going to be in the match against against each other. That's and probably what happened. Everybody's going to come out. Everybody mute's going to hit. And then, yeah, yeah, then it'll be a fatal uh, five-way. Five-way, exactly. Even though it's right here on the site. So who knows? Maybe it's something like that. But point being, to to your point, why they're, they're doing this right before Hell in a Cell, I think it's just to give Seth something to do. I think it's just they, they they want to tell a story in between the main story. And do some segments, uh, like do some I, backstage segments. Some like the fiend just playing mind games with him. Like the fiend is not there, but he's there. You know what I'm saying? I, I they, maybe they, I think they're just overthinking <laughs> right. this. Yeah, well, why, just, it's, it's not that hard to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. This because this is this is this is dumb. Like no, none of these guys are gonna beat Seth Rollins before. Seth Rollins goes against the Fiend. Like, no question. There is no – I will put everything I have on it, that there is no way that any of them – I mean, it's Rey Mysterio, it's Ricochet, it's AJ Styles, it's Shinsuke, it's Robert Roode. None of them are going to beat Seth Rollins before he goes against the yeah. Fiend. It's just not happening. So to even do this is like you, – you, you, it's like you would, you'd have to think we're all stupid in order for us to get excited about this. Yeah. Because, again, we, we know what's going to happen. Yep, we, we do. We, we know the end result. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so that, that was weird. That was something that caught my eye. That was weird. Oh, man. Coming up for tomorrow with this. But, yeah, man, I mean, you know, it's it's going to happen. Bray, you know, is, is going to be universal champion. And with Seth Rollins, I'm going to be very curious to see how they try to progress his story uh, post, I'm more. I'm to be honest with you, I'm actually more excited about post Hell in the Cell than Hell in the Cell, you know, because Hell in the Cell seems very predictable. I'm gonna enjoy the hell out of seeing the, the Fiend's entrance and seeing him win the championship. I'm gonna be really happy for Bray, but I feel like it's so predictable that I'm actually more anticipating what comes next. How? Do, where do you go from here yeah. with the Fiend, and where do you go from here with Seth? Me too. I think just the way how I've been, you know, conversating with you, like. You know, I was talking about leaving an imprint. Like, I, that's why I'm wondering, too. Like, how would Seth yeah. feel after this? How would it be? Is it going to change him? You know, yeah. and how this, uh, and how are they going to utilize the Fiend to be their, you know, universal champion for Monday Night Raw? Champion. So, how how's that going to look going forward? It's going to be a lot of, like, I got a lot of questions, man. And, to, and I like where you were going with it in terms of Seth being afraid and how, you know, Becky could play a part in it, too. You know, it's almost like a Iron Man uh, after the Avengers. Yeah, yeah. You know, Tony Stark. You know, basically, you know, he was having like you know panic attacks and stuff, and you know, he was seeing outer space, you know, in his dreams, and uh, you know, just that, all yeah, that. The, his uh, worst fear coming true. Coming true, yeah. And he felt the weight of the world on on his. Anyway, so long story short, um, similar to that, you know, having it linger with him and taking it home, taking that fear home with him, having Becky, you know, be affected by it too. You know, I think it could be very interesting uh, to tell that story with Seth. 
Um, it'll just be interesting if they go that route, especially, again, with there being sort of a similar storyline with another person who had lost and was kind of dealing with trying to overcome you know that that the the pain of that loss and what the, the loss meant like Rey Mysterio is going through after losing Andrade the way he did um they're similar but different so maybe both of them can work at the same time we'll see um so yeah I, I'm 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 anticipating that man post selling cell is gonna be a really interesting time yeah yeah same here man because uh you know to see a fiend. I, I just can't wait to see the fiend's interest again because you know when I saw the Fiend make his surprise, not even surprise, but when he surprised Seth Rollins and Kane, you know, they got me excited. I had to look at the SummerSlam match between him and Finn Balor just so I could just see the entrance again. Because, man, that entrance yeah. was was everything right there, man. The yeah. music, the way they remixed it, him holding the, the head of the old Bray Wyatt. Like, I can't wait to see all that again, man, the hell of a cell. Should be a great atmosphere for that. Definitely, definitely. I, I cannot wait for that either. And I guess also kind of a, a side thing before we, we end this, you just mentioned Finn Balor. Finn, when he comes back, because we just talked about Seth, you know, being affected by the Fiend. Um, I, that's another thing I was thinking when you when you were talking about it. Like, I feel like Finn also kind of needs to have that too. Yeah. So, yeah. so Good point. I guess with with that, like – you know, do you see all of that? Because because we would have Finn kind of having this fear. We would have Seth having this fear. Um, do you see that all working together where, like, multiple people that he's fought, they're kind of, like, going through somewhat similar things? Like, I don't, how do you – With, with you Finn, kind of- I, I think it will, it will be different because I felt like it was just a one-off. He didn't really have a story with, with – uh, with the fiend, it probably it was probably with like two weeks, and before you know it, they had a match. With mm-hmm. Seth, I think it's going to be more of a somewhat of a slow burn, and uh, I think that's why it's going to be different between him and and Finn Balor. How if they're going to be if they're going to show ways how being affected by the fiend, I think it, it'll suit more Seth Rollins because you know this is going to be of a slow pace. It, it could linger after post Hell in a Cell match as well. With with Finn Balor, it was just that SummerSlam match, and that was it. And I think it just probably be a reset button for him after the draft. You know what? I just – I'm starting to think about this now, and I feel like I could – I'm seeing a way that they could have it affect both guys and kind of use fear to change them in a certain way. And honestly, I think it's by both of them turning heel. <laughs> You know, for Finn and Seth, honestly, you know, for Finn, I think just the the fantasy of having him be with the club, you know, and him saying, hey, you know, like the, I couldn't beat the Fiend or and I couldn't like I just I wasn't I hadn't been the same even before. that. Yeah. Like he was on a streak prior to and then he went against the Fiend and just got destroyed. So, like, what's the next thing? It's like, well, if you if, if you you can't figure it out on your own. You know, and you have friends that are there who could have your back, who are telling you, hey, man, we have a spot for you right here. You know, it's like, why wouldn't Finn just say, you know what, I need to go and reach out to the people that 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 I can trust to have my back in situations like this, because it's it's I couldn't do it on my own. I mean, sure, he could resort to the demon and say, you know, I didn't I didn't pull out my biggest gun. Let me try that first. But I could see Finn 
you know, just deciding like, hey, I'm going to join the OC because there's strength in numbers, you know, to, to handle a situation like that in the future. You know, I think for Seth, it could be the frustration of he can't beat the fiend in by normal means. And so he's trying to find any means necessary. And he kind of did it to Brock Lesnar where he like was, you know, did the low blow and, you know, like was, was willing to do whatever it took. And I think this is kind of a whole new type of challenge that might take more for him to try to figure out how to beat him. And I think that frustration, I think what it should happen is he should continue to just try to find any way possible. He's getting more and more frustrated by the fact that he just cannot beat the fiend and like then people start to question Seth like because some of the things that he's doing you know maybe they see it's affecting him and he's lashing out at people like you know you don't understand you know like what it's like to to have to go against this guy plus the the weight of trying to carry the 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 show like all that is getting to him to the point where it's like you know damn it all like he's and then he's he's, before we know it he's a heel and the crowd is kind of turning a little bit on him anyway so I feel like a heel Seth could work you know for him to like just not get completely tuned out by the crowd yeah. uh and whilst trying to maintain this face persona um so i just feel like that could be a way where you know the fear pushes him to try to find any and all means to be able to win and that could cross over into like even things that maybe aren't as as tasteful or as good you know like trying to do whatever but it still doesn't work and then that frustration just kind of like pushes him over the edge um, and for Finn, I think it's like just the whole strength of numbers thing. So I don't know. That just kind of kind of came to me as like a way that maybe they go because Seth as a heel works, you know, like he's he's a great heel. And uh, and maybe his time his face is, is coming up. You know, bring you know? that goat laugh back. <laughs> oh, God, God, I hated that. <laughs> oh, Dude, <I> mean, man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> yeah, over yeah, Jeez. <laughs> goat laugh. I've never heard it called that before. That's what yeah. I thought about every time you laugh. It was a goat laugh when he was a heel. Oh man! But I, I, I just I could see that as one way. If they're not going to keep him, like to your point, you know, you could just have him be frustrated, just go on a losing streak. Um, so that, that could be one way to do it, but also too, if they just turn them heel, I mean, that's, that's kind of sometimes how it happens for people where they're just frustrated and they just decide to to do whatever it takes and that rubs people the wrong way and free know at their heel. Yeah. yeah, man, that's true, man. Yeah. Uh, well, I would just be, since you had brought up Finn Balor, you know, I think it's getting close for his break to be, uh, to be over. So hopefully he'll, uh, he'll become heel. That'd be very exciting. I would love to see that. Yeah, let's make that happen. Like that—that that needs to happen because he needs to be with the OC before AJ Styles retires. Oh yeah, yeah that needs they, to they happen. Need to, they need to have a story. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, that needs to happen. So hopefully, hopefully we get that. All right, man, we're we're at the end. So any any last thoughts on Raw before we call the show? There, uh, like I said, man, like in the beginning of the show, I thought Bray Wyatt was the star of the show, and uh, he did some uh, good shit, man. So I enjoyed it. I I enjoy AOP. I have to say it might not work for you, but it worked for me. So I'm going to get my two cents in on that. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, yeah, point taken on AOP, and my opinion has not changed on AOP. So, you know, to be continued on them to see if they develop any further. 
Um, yeah, just overall, I mean, it was a solid show. Um, it, it was, there were some moments that were kind of forgettable for me to be honest about it, but overall with, because of the theme, because of Bray, um, it, it was just such a, it was a fun show to watch and I was anticipating when he was going to show up. I'm glad they kept it to the main event because it really paid off well. Um, that moment with Seth was awesome. So really love that. Um, yeah, and I'm looking forward to to tomorrow night and seeing where they continue the story from there and what other crazy stuff that that uh, the fiend does and if they have his influence um, more apparent on the show um, to where you see I don't know maybe the 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 raw slowly transforming into the Firefly Funhouse. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see if that that actually happens. But yeah, man, looking forward to it. That'll be tomorrow night. Um, so we're that's going to cap us off here for the raw recap. So uh, we will catch you in our next one. We're going to do a SmackDown recap here in a second. But for this one, we're just going to cap it off here. So for Devin, I'm Hafiz. We will catch you guys next time. Peace. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to the Clark Street Wrestling Podcast.